and welcome to I'm a Sophisticated So Can You, the show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney. And I'm another of your hosts, Anthony. And today we are talking about Mommy Dearest. Yes, we decided that we were going to do a movie that I had been avoiding for us for a while because I was like, well, I don't want to do that because it's only in the canon because it's bad. Sure. I don't usually like old movies. <laughs> sure. Just because homosexuals tell me that they're like inspiring to them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I really trust the taste of the gays. There are some areas like sometimes they really nail it. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, egg? Yeah. Or I guess more often I would say I see why there was a fascination with this at a certain time. Like, I see why in, in a world with so few um, complicated women and so little camp, you have to just grab whatever you see. Mm-hmm. I yeah. get that. But also, like, I live here now where there's a lot of complicated women and a lot of camp. And I think it's going to be very broad. Yeah. And I don't always like that the way I feel like I'm supposed to. It gives me it gives me a feeling of obligation in my bones that's like you're supposed to like how absurd and like pushed this is. Mm-hmm. But I don't always want that for like a whole two hours of my life. Yeah, this is an interesting experiment because we've done movies that are well respected that we then came away and were like, I don't I think that movie's actually not good. This is one that we know going in is not good. Right. But people enjoy it for some but reason. But people love it. And I think my understanding is that it's not good and it wasn't intentional. Okay. My- yeah. See, I feel like I don't even know that much. Like, I don't know the difference, but this is why it's good. It's educational. Like, uh, <laughs> this is why we do this. Like, I don't know the difference, I don't think, between like a Mommy Dearest and a What Happened to Baby Ginger. Like, these like iconic gay movies of the yeah. past. I don't know which ones were intended to be B-movies mm-hmm. <laughs> and which ones are just old now. Yeah. My understanding is that this movie was meant to be like, like a big studio movie mm. that was like a big biopic of a Hollywood legend. And then it just sucked you know like Faye Dunaway is the star and Faye Dunaway was at like the height of her fame I think this is like right around the same time that Chinatown happened yeah is it one of those things where it's like people just said it was bad no I think it's actually bad Mm. like I think the acting is so crazy is it like the room yeah like people like it because it's like what the fuck happened i think here. i think it's like that yeah i think it's like that. i don't know i mean i guess i did enjoy watching the room the first time i don't really understand like the ongoing fascination with it but i, I did i was gonna be like i don't ugh, yeah i don't like that but i did enjoy watching it the first time and just puzzling over like how how yeah, how? <laughs> yeah I mean, how did a team of people make a series of decisions so incorrect and off the wall how did they how did they miss the mark so many times in so many disparate amazing ways yeah and that i think is how people relate to this movie as well okay with the main difference being that the room is a bunch of bad actors doing a bad job whereas this is really good actors doing a bad job yeah because that's how they were directed yeah can we think of anything else that is that like, what's a studio, The Room? Because, like, at least The Room, like, there's all these stories about how, like, 
people tried to tell yeah. him. It's just like one madman's journey of being uncoachable. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that Showgirls is similar. Yeah. Having, having seen Yeah, that Showgirls. might be an upcoming episode. Yeah. I or, would... or I guess we decided not to because we both kind of know it's just not as urgent. Showgirls is kind of the midpoint between the two extremes because it is Elizabeth Berkeley is not as good as she thinks she is. Sure. But she really thinks she's doing something in this movie. Yeah. But there are also other good actors in it. Yeah. If the room Gina is Gershon all amateurs and Mommy Dearest is all professionals. Yeah. Okay. I see. Although Elizabeth Berkeley wasn't an amateur. She was just like a TV actress who was trying to go serious. Yeah. 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 She was a famous kid, really. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of excited. So it's like an expensive train wreck. Yeah. I ex- don't know. I don't want to. I feel like I don't. I feel like I don't want that. But, you know. There It'll are, probably at least hold my attention better than, like, Boogie Nights. <laughs> yeah, and there are entire episodes of Drag Race that will make sense. Yeah, that is that's that is true. Like, it's not just, oh, in passing, someone mentions Mommy Dearest every once in a great while. It's like, I pretend to understand Mommy Dearest all the time. Twice in, a season. Yeah, in both passive and active ways. Yes. Many times. Yes. I really don't know even what it is. I don't know what genre it's attempting. I don't know what genre it will end up in i feel like i can make some uh, some deductions right now about when it's from mm-hmm. <laughs> and the difference between that and what happened to baby jj based on the fact that it's about joan crawford right mm-hmm. and having seen chinatown you know what i mean it's like now that i'm thinking about it it's like i guess i do kind of know where it is in time but like i've never thought about it honestly i just think of it as like old and campy sure could have been could have been any time could have been anywhere could have been any vibe yeah i i th- i think it's late 70s i i think so too just based on fade on the way i don't usually enjoy movies ironically so right either i think I'm, that's what i'm kind of like yeah resisting. so like either i'm gonna connect with the experience of watching it or i'm not yeah like, The Room is actually a good example of one of the few movies that I did enjoy, ironically. Yeah. And, like... Because it's just so... I mean, it's just, like... It's so extreme. Chock-a-block. Yeah, it's so extreme, and it, and, it, and it hits so many different notes of extremity. Like, you would think that you would get bored, you know what I mean? Like, you'd think... And you can... You can... If you want to just do the, like, supercut of Oh, Hi, Marks, mm-hmm. <laughs> or just watch this the one scene in the flower shop or whatever, like, you can get a microcosm of the room, mm-hmm. but you genuinely also can watch all two hours of it and, like, find new wacky things every scene. Yeah. Like, like yeah, new ways of, of missing the mark mm-hmm. every single scene for a whole two hours. That's... That is a feat in itself. It is. So yeah. I don't know. Is it going to be that good at being bad? This the studioness of it makes me worry that it won't. That it'll just be bad in one way, and I'll get bored. I will see because it's apparently just a cuckoo banana pants story. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe Which that I at least will keep me guessing. Part of it. So is this know. no wire hangers? Yes. Okay. It's no wire hangers. Bring well, so- me the axe. All of those things that they okay. say all the time. Okay. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We, indeed, we will. All right. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we will have watched Mommy Dearest. Yep. And we're back. Yes. That's where we are. 
So we went away and we watched Mommy Dearest. And oh, he- did we ever? And here's my main question. Yeah. What the fuck was that? I really, um, I don't know how to feel. What don't I know how to feel about? What do, ha- I guess my main concern is like old movies. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just really extra. Mm-hmm. And it's like hard for me to tell the difference mm-hmm. between like it just like, I yeah, it was extra. Yeah. But it felt like extra in the same way that a lot of things are. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I was like I was struggling with like, why is this like why was this so extra that people were like, this is the worst thing ever made or like the most incredible. Th- I don't know. It just felt like any old like B movie. Right. Right. But it's a B movie with a crazy cast. <laughs> Starring Faye Dunaway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's kind of wild. I don't know. I don't know. So this is a story about, I almost said Faye Dunaway, Joan Crawford's <laughs> yeah. decision to adopt a child who she names Christina. And Christina's experience having Joan Crawford as a mother, which seems harrowing. Yeah. And it goes through the time that, Christina is adopted all the way up through when Joan Crawford dies in the late 70s. Yeah. And it is loosely based on a book of the same title that Christina Crawford released in like 1978. And this movie was made in 1980. So as soon as her mom died, she wrote this book. My understanding is that the story in the book was so wild that all of Joan Crawford's other children, because she didn't just have two adopted children, she had five. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Christine was just the first one. Yeah. The and other... in this movie, there are two. Yes. And the other one is named Christopher, which I think is wild. Is that true? Yes. Also- uh, Stop. Don't do that. The don't fifth one, also named Christopher. Seriously? Yes. Um, oh, my God. It's like, um, who did who? who am I thinking of? George Foreman. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was like, I was like, who has the meat machine? <laughs> <laughs> after the after Joan Crawford dies, Christina Crawford writes this book, and ev- all of the other children were like, "Ah, uh, that doesn't sound right to me," and everyone in Hollywood was like, "Yeah, that doesn't sound right to us either." Like everyone who was friends with Joan Crawford was like, "Ah, uh, this seems a little extreme." Whether that is true or they're just trying to protect Joan Crawford isn't really important. When the movie came out. Christina Crawford watched the movie. She was not involved with the production of this movie at all. She watched the movie and was like, um, that's a little extreme. (laughs) She was like, I said a lot. I didn't say that. You may have taken this too far. (laughs) Too way too far. Like, she was like, my mom was a drunk. She never tried to kill me. Sure. (laughs) You know, like, that, that's not real. So this is a this is a Buckwild adaptation of a Buckwild version of what sounds like a pretty tough life. Yeah. I don't know why, but for some reason I just pictured a teenager. Like I thought most of the movie was about a teenager and yeah. her mom. But it's not. Like the first half. Half to like five eighths. Yeah. <laughs> um, is all the same kid who uh, the actor is like maybe nine or ten. Yeah. And they they pretend that she is anywhere from like 5 to 12. Yes. <laughs> and you can tell this by her little brother aging. <laughs> but it's the same kid actor. But honestly, it's like, I don't know how you solve Like, I kind of, if you don't have like a whole family of fannings that you can just like keep calling in the next one, like, I don't know what you do. Because like, I, w- I did get kind of attached to that kid and I thought she was doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't have wanted her to be a different kid every scene. 
Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know change, how like, you solve that, minutes. but it did, it did lend it a little bit of a weird. That is one of the things that was kind of weird. Yeah, about the whole atmosphere is that like this kid is not is like obviously older than they're saying she is, and then mm-hmm. stays the exact same yeah. as her brother becomes the same age that she is. Yeah, like okay, so the movies the movie starts. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. and then there's a few scenes of her like. Talking about how is she ever going to get a baby? Yes. And, like, calling in favors to, like, get a hold of a baby because the system doesn't want to give her one because she's a divorcee. Yeah. A working divorcee. Yeah. I felt like that part of the story was told clunkily and also then, like, completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like then it never came. But like then the rest of the story is just about her being a shitty parent. It's like not about like the adoption system. Or I don't know. Maybe they just like wanted us to like see how bad she wanted this baby. I don't know. Yeah, I just it... felt like that was a lot of minutes of screen time for something that could have just been like, oh, Joan, congratulations. I know how much you've wanted this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Boom. Yeah. Exposition. <laughs> I'm a screenwriter. So we do that. And then and then the and then this kid shows up. And we start, we head through a number of scenes of her just being, like, abusive, I guess. It, like, starts, it starts off where you're like, oh, that doesn't seem right. Like, she's making her kid exercise to the point of exhaustion and then making them race in the pool. Yeah. And it's like, adult Joan Crawford is like, I will always beat you, Christina, because I will always be bigger and always be stronger. And it's Yeah, like, but also you can't say no. You can't say I don't want to race anymore. Like, you have to race me and you have to lose Yeah, to, like, a, chi- like a small child. Yeah, like it's a like five-year-old. Pretty pathetic. <laughs> yes, yeah. And um, it's like, okay, so she's got some stuff that she's not working on. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Yeah, and then it escalates to some other... I don't know. This part of the movie, I was like, I can see that it's being acted like a little bit hamily. But like this section of the movie, I was like, what are people talking about? It just like didn't feel... Like, I was like, yeah, that's probably what an abusive household is like. The way people talk about the movie as being like so like ridiculous and over the top and like just insane and nonsensical do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i feel like they talk about it like when we talked about the room like i feel like it's talked about like like why would they make these choices yeah everything is so wild and that whole section i was like no that looks that probably is what it's like to be adopted by a rich insane person yeah you yeah. know what i mean like none of the scenes seemed really that like yeah like i, I there was some faye dunaway i think was encouraged to do some like chewing of the scenery like it was very it was it was a little like pushed in the acting but the whole like the delivery of the line no wire hangers mm-hmm. is a lot yes but the rhythm of the scene of like like she comes in and like the kid is like is like I'm just gonna hide in the, the bed clothes and like hope that this doesn't become my problem because I like I'm gonna hide in terror mm-hmm. <laughs> and see what happens because that is my only choice. And then I like the actual happenings of the scene felt very much to me like yeah that's probably what that seems like the kinds of like twists and turns that you would go on with an unstable parent like i think that happens to people that their moms come in in the middle of the night and throw take everything out of their closet and throw it on the ground and then like trash their bathroom and then say that they're assholes for not cleaning it up 
Yeah. I think that happens to people. Mm-hmm. And I guess like everything that I had been led to believe about the movie, I don't know. I get, I don't know what I thought it was going to look like. I just felt like that was, it didn't feel campy to me. Yeah. It felt like. Yeah, a little bit of an overacted portrayal of like a pretty realistic scenario of abusive parenting. It was an idea that was grounded in like a real feeling of fear, but it was just taken to such an extreme. Like the wire hanger scene is one where Christina Crawford was like, I never said my mom beat me with a wire hanger. I said she didn't like them. Like that. You know, like, I'm sure there that that scene came from, like, oh, yeah, my mom always told me not to have wire hangers. And then one time she was she, like, came home drunk, saw that there was one in the closet and she freaked out. Yeah. And then they just, like, dialed it up to 11 for the movie. Yeah. Um, but your point is well taken that, like, there there is a certain degree. Yeah, like, of, I like, can't say that that is Christina Crawford's actual experience, but I guess I just was expecting it to be, like something that seemed like no one's experience because of the way that it's talked about and it didn't feel that way to me right like i think it was maybe supposed to look insane that in in one moment she's like very angry and then all of a sudden she's like how could you do this to me right and like like there are some mood swings that happen that are pretty wild but it all but that especially felt to me like yeah like (laughs) yeah (laughs) no that's very that people do do that (laughs) yeah yeah and i i I agree with you that like that doesn't feel camp that just feels sad yeah and like i think that's what i was struck by especially in the first half of this movie because the second half of the movie is mostly just boring yeah um but the once the kid is gone that fucking always happens i'm glad that kid stuck around so long i I just love a good kid actor and a lot of times like stories that's I felt that way about the chess show and it was like mostly the adult actor. Yeah, it was mostly Anya (laughs) Taylor-Joy. Yeah, but I was like, bring back that kid. (laughs) Like, it's just such a tough scenario when you start out with like a really good kid actor and then you have to replace them with a fucking adult. Like, Mm -hmm. who gives a shit anymore? (laughs) Right, like even if the adult is really good, which in this movie, not the case, but talking about Queen's Gambit, like Anya Taylor-Joy does a great job. Yeah, she does. Yeah, all of the iconic stuff in this movie, with the exception of one line, is from the first half. Yeah. Like, no wire hangers, Christina, get me the axe. Yeah, okay, I will say the the axe bit, mm-hmm. I mean, that also felt like, sure, yeah. Now, I'm, now I can't remember what goes, what, like, episode goes with what episode. Like, there would be, like, she would have, like, an episode of freaking yeah. out, and it would turn into a couple of things, and then there would be, like, a... a a little portrayal of like you know sort of the honeymoon yeah (laughs) like a moment of peace Mm -hmm. between which honestly usually were pretty devastated because it would like seem it would seem like it was gonna be like this is what the good times looked like and then she would like still find a way to fuck it up but even that didn't feel i was like yeah i think that's how some people's childhoods are (laughs) yeah so it's like oh we're having a good day because i'm not getting screamed at over wire hangers or something and mm-hmm. then it's like it's like everything's going great and then it's like by the way Christina you'll always be alone <laughs> you know what i mean like just yeah. like, like it is good like she is being nice but her version of nice is to be like by the way i'm telling you this to help you i'm the only one who will ever care about you so anyway the axe scene okay first of all the size of the tree <laughs> yes it is a meager tree. It is tiny. <laughs> and the way, I mean, honestly, it probably was pretty realistic. Like, that is what it would be like to uh, 
like trees are kind of hard to kill actually especially for like actresses with eating disorder <laughs> like yeah. alcoholic skinny, actresses with yeah, skinny drunk yeah <laughs> actors yeah so that it probably is how long and how pathetic it would be to cut down that little tree but yeah the editing of that like she makes it so she she makes such a meal of bring me the axe and then they're like cutting between her like rage and um like efforts is a a showbiz term i've heard sound people use for when actors have to come back in and be like (laughs) like over there like getting punched or whatever Mm because they weren't mic'd for it like the amount that they were putting into the voice acting of that (laughs) Mm -hmm. intercut with the amount of damage that was being done to this poor little tree with every stroke of the axe like it it's it takes forever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, yes. there's just so much rage. And then it's like, oh, one wood chip. Yes. Yeah. Like, it, it oh, takes a while. This is a disaster. Like, oh, like, so traumatizing. Here's one more wood chip. Yeah. Like, so much violence. So much chaos. Like, oh, little little nick in the side of the tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that is definitely a thing. I think that is indicative of something about this movie that you and I, like, immediately identified, which was, like, this movie takes so long to do anything. And I'm not just talking about plotting. I'm also talking about like how long people take to deliver their lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At some point I was like, insane. I was like, I think if you just type, like I have no idea what the original screenplay looks like, but I think if I just like wrote it based on what I'm seeing, it would be about 40 pages long. <laughs> yes. Okay, I want to do a thing to demonstrate this to our listeners, uh, because you did this immediately after we finished the movie. Okay. You say something to me, and I will respond at the pace of an actor in this movie, so you get a true sense of how long this takes. Yeah, okay. Just deliver Um, any line. uh, Jonathan, this isn't half-calf. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
could yeah. have been under 90 yeah. if they had just delivered things like a normal person. Yeah, if they talked at a normal speed and just like edited at a normal speed. Like, so I, I guess maybe that is a lot of what people are responding to when they're like, this movie is so extra. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the scenes, the famous scenes where she's freaking out at her child, those were the parts that made the most sense to me. You know what I mean? I guess that's, that's what has me confused is that like, I do see that <laughs> that it's a flawed project mm-hmm. and like that it's like melodramatic and whatever but i feel like the parts that are famous for being that were the parts that made the most sense to me yeah yeah like the most iconic parts of the movie the movie parts that everyone quotes are the ones that track is yeah like that's saying. yeah that's like when i was the most engaged in the storytelling i was like mm-hmm. i was like i know what's going on here i know what's at stake i'm like following it i'm i'm like emotionally i'm like feeling for both of them being trapped in this situation like yeah like that yeah that's when i felt like oh this is a there's something here mm-hmm. something is happening here it's maybe not perfectly executed yeah but like, I don't know. I, I just don't know that I would have watched those scenes and been like, this is a perfect thing to make fun of for 50 years. Yeah, it's weird that it's had such staying power. And I think we talked about this a little bit in Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion of like, there is a certain generation of, I was going to say queer people, but I'm going to specifically say gay men yeah. who have become- Yeah, a, I don't think lesbians are like mommy dear. Yeah, who like have- clung to some of these uh, like older unintentionally campy things as like cultural touchstones for reasons that are I will say beyond my understanding watching it for the first time now yeah it's not that I don't think that's a worthy practice but I'm saying I don't from my perspective see it's hard to see what yes yes I agree. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of, like, scholarship about it, about, like, reasons why gay men might feel represented by unruly women Mm -hmm. and how few portrayals of that there even were. Mm -hmm. And so you had to, like, I I feel like that's sort of the broad strokes of the, like, theory about it. But it is, like, like when we did what had happened to Baby JJ. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't say that I especially enjoyed the experience of watching the film, mm-hmm. but I did understand what was activated in the gay imagination. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like the little, the men that are in it are like kind of gay coded. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it is fun to watch the women chew the scenery. And if there were, there are no movies about like two female leads, you right. know what I mean? Like all of that. And the parts of it that were weird and camp and portraying mental illness were sort of like interesting and not like other things. And like, I don't know, it just made more sense to me. I feel like the ones that really make sense to me are like when problematic femininity is centered in a way that it usually isn't. Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess that's present here. It's just like it's only Faye Dunaway all the time. Right, right. Problematic femininity is a... A good way to put it because yeah that that is what is also happening in what happened to baby jj yeah but i think the difference between this movie and what happened to baby jj is that even though it is not always a pleasant viewing experience i think i came away from that movie being like oh that is a like well-made movie like it is effective it does what it's set out to do it's 
over the top. Yeah. But it feels like it was over the top very intentionally, whereas In this- the service of something. Exactly. And it's also like very clearly like a genre movie. It's supposed yeah. to be like a weird thriller. It's not a, you can't call it a B movie because it's Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, but yeah. like it's, it's very what it is. Yeah. Whereas this movie, I just feel like after every time they called cut, Faye Dunaway looked over at the director and was like, are you sure? Like this yeah. much? <laughs> really? This slow and this much? And he was just like, yeah. Actually more. Yeah, exactly. Slower. Yeah. Slower. Weirder. Crazier. Yeah. Can we get more night cream on her face for this scene? Yeah. <laughs> we need all of her craziest scenes to be done while wearing a full face of night cream. I know. She must have had such supple skin for the whole shoot. Yeah. I mean the the opening montage is her doing a weird face ice bath. You were you were taken aback by that. Like before the opening credits had even finished, you were like, "I'm sorry." She just pulled a full bowl of ice out from under her sink. Yeah, I was like, "Is this a world where people have freezers in their bathrooms in the 30s?" Yeah, it was 1939 when the movie started. <laughs> where did she get a bowl of ice under the bathroom sink? Mm-hmm. In Los Angeles, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? It, well, I don't know. Somebody provides it for her, I guess. Yeah. And then what it's for is for her to just stick her fucking face in mm-hmm. immediately in the morning. Yeah. Which I suppose is to demonstrate her dedication to... Her beauty routine. Yeah. Her face is her money maker. Mm-hmm. You know what I was thinking about this movie? This, I know, is A to C. I was thinking about this movie like, thank goodness for YouTube supercuts, because you can really get everything you need out of this movie with a 10 to 15 minute YouTube supercut of like, yeah, all absolutely. the deranged scenes. Yes. Because it's not emotionally affecting enough for yeah, me I to be like, oh, you should watch it. I didn't really feel it. like invested in the story. Yeah, exactly. There were a couple of scenes where, yeah, the like the scenes people make fun of, I was like worried for the kid. I felt a little bit invested in those scenes. And then, and it made me feel prickly because I was like, I'm supposed to be making fun of this, but this is the only time that I'm feeling engaged. Right, exactly. And it's like, yeah, that kid looks genuinely scared because what's happening is genuinely scary. Those are the only scenes that you know. So it's going to be no wire hangers ever, Christina, get me the axe. And then the only scene of that that's not in the first half of the movie is the boardroom scene, which is where she says, don't fuck with me, fellas. Yeah. uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Hang on one second. Don't fuck with me, fellas. (laughs) (laughs) Which you and I both were like, oh, that's from this movie, too. Yeah, I I didn't. I was. I didn't know to expect that. Like, it's once it happens, it's like, oh, yeah, that's famous. I've seen that clip. Yeah. But I didn't know it was from this. Yeah. And mentioning that now makes my ADHD brain go, oh, right. Remember this thing you thought about this movie? Mm. So like a year ago, a couple of my friends and I watched through all of this made for TV series called I, Claudius, which came out in 1976. Do not go out and find it. It is quite long. But the thing that we were always remarking on is that so much of the plot happens not on screen. This movie came out in 1980, and it does the exact same thing. Yeah, a lot of things. Yes, we noticed from the very beginning when when the story was like, how is she ever going to get a baby as a divorcee? They have the same, she has the same conversation, the exact same conversation with two different people about like how she, why it is unlikely the state will give her a child. And I was annoyed that, because I just don't like when people do this to female characters, (laughs) because I feel like it's kind of, I do feel like there's a gendered element that it's like the second time she hears it, it's like she never heard it the first time. She's like insulted, not just insulted, but like shocked by it. 
mm-hmm. as if she's never heard it before. And yeah. I just feel like that's a kind of like ditziness that gets whatever. That's that's my thing. But it's also just kind of sloppy storytelling. And then how we get past that hurdle. Like we spend two scenes setting up the same obstacle. And then the next scene, it's like, we fixed it. Yes. And it's like what you could have had one scene setting up the obstacle, one scene Fixing. solving it. Yeah. And then we would know, you know what I mean? Like important things or things that we've been taught are important because there are two scenes about it (laughs) yeah you know what i mean like it's like be concerned about this we have two whole scenes about how you should be concerned about this and then we don't see the solution like that's a weird that's a weird storytelling choice that's the only thing you this movie have given me to care about and then you just skipped right over it yeah absolutely and it's very obvious at multiple points throughout the movie but never is it more obvious than a little bit more than halfway through the movie, Joan Crawford gets married to this executive at Pepsi. Mm. And we spend a couple scenes with him. He seems like he's actually like a decent guy. They're getting along. They're doing things. And then it's literally just a smash cut to the next scene. Faye Dunaway is sitting in a boardroom with a bunch of Pepsi executives and they're like, ah, yes, we are so sorry to hear about your husband's untimely death. And we were both like, by the way, he's dead. Yeah, we were like, (laughs) Wait, you were like, wait, who died? And I was like, oh, her husband died. And you were like, when? <laughs> that that guy we just saw? Yeah. That they were like in the middle of a disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. They had not solved that question. Yeah. It was like, well, how are we going to pay for this house construction project that we're doing? Smash cut. Sorry, your husband He's died. <laughs> it's like, what? What? Like, like, how much time has passed? Yeah, well, and like, and like, yeah, you made me worried about a completely separate thing that isn't. It was like, let's set up an issue. Nope, he, the issue is solved because he's dead. <laughs> it's yeah. a new issue. You have a yeah. new problem now. Yeah, like you said before, the second half is just kind of boring. Like, it's not the actress, but just like, it's really hard to be the adult version of a really compelling child. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like wasn't very interested mm-hmm. in grown up Christina. And I don't, I would much rather watch a 10 year old pretend to be five and 12 than watch a 26 year old pretend to be 15 and then turn, become 26. You know what I mean? Like that just is, I didn't need a lot of that. I feel like on a macro level, the question for me is like, how is this child going to build a personality? You know what I mean? Like how, Mm -hmm. like how do, what, what happens to people who grow up? not only abused but sheltered mm-hmm. from any other you know what i mean like i'm watching the first half of the movie and i'm like there's no way sh- that this is gonna be like like how is she even gonna be a functioning person right you know right. what i mean like she doesn't have she not only isn't getting the parenting she needs like this she doesn't even have like a picture of it uh, you know what i mean she has like mm-hmm. no yardstick yeah it's not just like oh abuse is happening to me it's like you'd have no clue that there was anything else Right, because she, it seems like she, we never see her with friends. Maybe I'm adding my own sort of modern interpretation of like what it's like to be a celebrity child. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I think they're just in there. Yeah. <laughs> they're just stuck in those mansions. Yeah, I think it's a, a unique kind of sort of indentured servitude. Yeah, to your own parents. Yeah. So it's like, it just keeps getting worse. And like, she becomes a teenager and it's like, it just keeps. The hits keep coming. It's like any, literally like, yeah, like anytime she's like, oh, like this, this could work out for me. Yeah. Her mom finds a way to fuck it up for her. And then it's like the last sort of quarter of the movie. She's just kind of gradually becoming like 
a normal person, yeah. like a soap actress, mm-hmm. like you know, like a, just a working actor, not a famous, not a ultra famous movie star, just like a working actor who's a normal person. And it's like, how? The big question is how, <laughs> right? Like you just skipped over like all of the like. 20 minutes ago in movie time, we watched your mom try to full murder you. Yeah. Like, not, like, hit you with a wire hanger, like, threw you through a glass table and choked you almost till you died. Yeah. Like, she had to have two people, yeah, two people pull her pull off of you, after which point she started just, like, screaming and flailing. Yeah. For why? Unclear. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, wait, what? what, what is she mad about in that scene? I... I don't remember. <laughs> I do remember. It was that she contradicted her in front of a reporter. And so while the reporter was still in the house, Joan Crawford was like, you made me look bad in front of this reporter, so I'm going to fucking murder you. Yeah, so, I, yeah, so I'm going to kill you with my hands. Yeah, I'm going to choke the life out of you with my bare hands. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. At some point in the story, she's at boarding school for a while, and then Joan Crawford is like, we can't afford it anymore. Because I can't, I'm not yeah. getting gigs because I'm too old. So you have to be on a work scholarship. You have to like have a job at your school. Very um, little princess. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's fine. Like, whatever. Take one for the team. Mm-hmm. And then she finds out that her mom's been like shopping like crazy. And I could not tell from the storytelling whether I was meant to believe that she spent, like, what is the story they're telling? Did Joan Crawford spend her tuition money on the shopping? Or does she really have no money and we're seeing, like, another form that her addiction is mm-hmm. taking? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Either of those could be interesting, but if you don't tell me which one... Then it's neither. Then I don't know what I'm watching and right. I don't know. It's just mess after mess. Oh, she, like, kisses a boy and then gets slut-shamed for, like, then has to go live with nuns. Yes. For, like, years where it's, like, you don't speak to anyone. Like, shut away. Like, that I really was, like, oh, man, that's that's some real Lilidi. Like, there's no way to... Like, you've just been terribly abused for your entire childhood and now you're going to go live with nuns? Yeah. Like, there's no For, way. like, three years... Yeah, for like three years where and you like basically like have a involuntary vow of silence. It's yeah. Kind of like what they made it sound like. Yeah, they were like, you will speak to no one yeah. outside of the school. You will not communicate with your parents. And yeah, then like it's smash no phone cuts. calls, no postcards. Yeah. And then it's like, now she's a soap actress. She's doing. Yeah. Fun. It just like it smash cuts to her leaving the school and talking to the mother superior and being like, you have been so kind to me for all of these years. And we're like, years? You look the yeah. same. It's like, How oh long God. has it been? Well, yeah. And it's also like, oh, well, like they Stockholmed her. Like she, it, like this was another form of abuse, but they made her, she has, she has no yardstick. So they're just getting her to say thank you for it. And then it's mm-hmm. like, and then she just goes on about her life and like is kind of a normal person. You know what I mean? Like the dramatic question to the, of the film to me is, is this kid going to be okay? And how will that ever be possible? And they just absolutely skip over all like they don't care because they're just any interesting to... way to address that question they just like skim over yeah it's like i'm not really sure what they were like what the point of this movie is like what were they trying to examine i don't think they were trying to examine anything i think by the time the movie was over i think it was just a vehicle to get faye dunaway to chew wallpaper in as many scenes as possible yeah i mean then i guess they did it yeah <laughs> if that was the goal achieved yeah. Before we get to our questions, I want to share one anecdote that I learned about the kid actor in this movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. So the kid actor, this was her first movie. 
Yeah. She had done like a little bit of TV before this, but this was her first real movie role. Yeah. And it's considered one of the worst movies ever made. Sure. Then she was like, okay, well, I'm going to try theater. So then she goes to Broadway and she is in Moose Murders. Have you heard anything about Moose Murders? No. I did not know anything about this until I was reading this person's uh, Wikipedia bio. And I was like, what the fuck is Moose Murders? It is apparently the biggest flop in Broadway history. <laughs> I mean, it apparently involves like in the second act, a mummy murders a moose. Like there, she <laughs> plays in the, this kid plays like a ten year old evil tap dancer. Like it sounds insane, and I was just like, damn, this kid can't catch a break. Yeah, she's cursed. I did wonder because I thought she was doing a good job. I was like, oh, where'd she go? Like, I think the she answer is she was into, just in too much to bad the stuff. Murders, and then was like, you know what? Uh, I'll hang it up. Yeah, she was in some more stuff, but I think she just like never got the chance because everyone's like, "What's her oh, name?" I don't remember. Okay, I do not recall. Anyway, that was just a funny aside that I was like, yeah. Oof, "Man, doesn't even matter the medium. You're just getting bodied by these casting choices." Yeah, I do think in a post Dakota Fanning, Millie Bobby Brown world, identifying the talents of being a child actor and also then directing those kids mm-hmm. in the way that kids need to be directed differently than adults. I think that there's just been a lot of I- improvements in that like field of study. Yeah. <laughs> Finding and then directing them. So like from a modern perspective, like there are times when the this kid seems like kind of clunky. I don't know. It's just like hard kids of the past. I don't just never seem as well equipped to me mm-hmm. as like the kid actors of today. Yeah. But like adjusting for inflation or whatever, like I do think that she was very charming, and there were there were some scenes where like when she's cutting her hair, I was like, oh, oh yeah. that's real. She had a, I don't I'm sure it was a wig because I'm sure they had to do more than one yeah. take. But what just like sitting in a mirror and like watching that happen to herself, even though yeah. it's a wig, like I could tell that was like she was having a very real reaction. That yeah, was, that that was very solid kid acting. Yeah, and that was one of the more like. I've heard stories about people's parents, not like personally, but I've heard stories about yes. people's parents doing that to them. Like, Absolutely. That feels Especially like, like, like mommy, daughter. Yeah. Um, that feels like a yeah. real crazy thing that totally. does happen. Yes. The rose bushes and the axe and the wire hangers, like less so. But that scene specifically, I was like, yeah, I could see that. But the like, you didn't clean up in here, so I'm going to make a bigger mess of it and like- this better be spotless by morning and you made me do this to you and I'm only doing this because I love you but I hate you. Yeah. Like that's all that's all real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, right? Like yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so uh I mean I think we could breeze through these questions. Is it in your curriculum for me? No. 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 I don't want to tell you I know better than RuPaul, but like I, mean, I do, because I also knew that trans people should be allowed in Drag Race, like, way before RuPaul knew that. That's true. So. I mean, this is just one of those things where it's like, you don't need to watch this whole movie to be conversant in it. Just right. go watch. Totally. Uh, if you're curious about this movie, go watch a YouTube supercut of the craziest scenes. You'll get through it in 10 minutes. You'll understand every reference that people make. Yeah. Everything like, else about the movie is irrelevant. Yeah, and, like, there's nothing... I don't think you're going to be, like, glad that you watched the movie. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, like, I don't think it's going to make a great movie night. Yeah. There's just, like, not enough there. Yeah. If, if, you ha- if you don't already like it, 
you know, this is one of those things where it's like, if you are like a older gay man, like it might just be like you had to be there in 1980 when this came out. Sure. Yeah. And if it's like, if it's like, I don't know, I still think about sometimes like when I found like Halloween a little bit boring as like mm-hmm. a slasher movie and then Tony Bill and Tony was like, but it's like comforting horror. It's cozy horror. Sure. Or whatever. Yeah. I could see this being like cozy for someone. Yeah, like in the cozy, same... like deranged old movie. Like yeah. if that's what's cozy to you, like the way I watch Criminal Minds, like then sure. Yeah, but I feel like you probably already know that if it's right for you. Yeah, and you don't need us to tell you. Yeah, and to come back to a comparison we were making a few minutes ago, like just putting my brain in the position of like, okay, if I'm the kind of person who wants a movie like this that is a deranged movie that I find comforting, I would pick whatever happened to Baby Jane over this any day yeah because totally. i i think that that is there's something cozier about that movie maybe it's just because it all takes place in the same house like yeah. it's literally just more limited in scope i don't know yeah don't know. well and i just think it's better yeah like it's a legitimately decent movie yeah yeah this movie is just like not good yeah and it's not it's not like the room because the room is so bad and so many choices are so insane yeah that it's like it wasn't even like, oh, I could see how you got there. It was just like, what the fuck was going on here? Yeah. This was more like, all right. Yeah, the room is just like, it's like chock-a-block. Yeah, like every choice. Every every, every choice Every is 12 wrong. seconds something happens that's like, not only was that the wrong choice, it would never, if I made wrong choices all day, I would never have gotten to that one. Yes, yeah, like that feels like both the wrong choice and the last choice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, there were a lot of wrong choices in this movie, but unlike The Room, none of them were the wrongest choice. Yes. They were just like strong yes. but wrong. Yes, uh, unremarkable. Yeah, unremarkably wrong. Yeah, that's what's good about The Room is like all of it is wrong and remarkable (laughs) yeah exactly it's just like sometimes something is like holy shit you didn't make any correct choices (laughs) oh hi mark oh hi mark i did not hit her it's not true it's bullshit i did not hit her i did not oh hi mark oh hi mark what's what is so good about the flat all i know is that you're supposed to google the flower shop scene so oh, because the AD, the it. ADR is oh, in... Oh, hi, doggy. Oh, hi, doggy. It's just like there's something You're my about favorite that... customer. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is what I'm thinking of. Oh, hi, Johnny. You're my favorite customer. Like, But it's also like everything, everything in that scene is in the wrong order. It's like you wrote a boring scene that did not need to be in the movie mm-hmm. and then cut up the lines and put them in a hat. Yeah. And then delivered them... In the order that you drew them out of the hat mm-hmm. as if they were a normal scene. <laughs> yes. Whereas this movie is just the guy who wrote it, wrote it on Coke. The guy who directed it, directed it on Quaaludes. Sure. And then uh, Finn. Yeah. So if someone came up to you at a party <laughs> and was like, my favorite movie of all time my is favorite movie is Mommy Dearest. Um. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would be leave. concerned for their. Yes, I would Party. just be concerned for their taste level. I would be like, mm, I think you've never seen another movie. Yeah, or you are one of those people who prefers things to be bad. 
like when people come at me with housewives like when people are i think they honestly just really like real housewives but they can't admit that to themselves so all they talk about is how they watch them to hate them yeah i'm done having those conversations yeah don't spend your time on stuff that you don't like so i i yeah i would say that either if someone said that to me about mommy dearest i would say either you just have no idea what's good or you choose things that you know are bad i mean it honestly would be similar to like if someone said their favorite movie was the room it's like like i understand if you want to if you get a lot out of showing the room to other people because it is remarkable in the ways Mm -hmm. it's remarkable but that shouldn't be your favorite your favorite movie shouldn't be an oddity you know what i should be like a um i'm trying to think like like what what's the word for like like when people have like at the circus when they have like glass cases a sideshow like weird... yeah 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 that shouldn't be your favorite thing your favorite thing should be something you actually like right and you can enjoy the sideshow of yeah. a movie yeah everybody everybody likes a sideshow yeah it shouldn't be your favorite well i don't i know maybe sideshow isn't what i mean like come one come on see a monkey stitched to a fish it's a mermaid yeah i don't know i don't know i guess i do but i guess no now i'm talking myself out of it because i think i could see how my monkey stitched how a monkey stitched to a fish could be my favorite thing you know what i mean yeah i accidentally made a comparison that that confused myself but no i i do understand because i do think that like yeah like it's, it's okay to choose something that's the weirdest thing to be your favorite thing yeah but it's not like- because you don't like it and right, be because you do, and I don't think this is the weirdest thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's just one kind of shitty thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of a shitty thing. Yeah, yeah. Last thing I want to mention that they never explain in this movie, and there's a lot that they never cover in this movie, but the uh, harness that Christina's they brother don't have sleeps time. in. It's they don't have time. They had <laughs> they had they had forty whole pages of dialogue that they had to shoot in for two whole hours how yeah. did they possibly have time to answer all your questions that's true so like why does christina's brother sleep in a harness he's oh. like strapped into the bed yeah he wears i did want to bring that up speaking of sideshows what the fuck is that just completely undiscussed undiscussed i think i think what it is meant to be is i think he sleepwalks oh. and so i think that's what that's meant to be i think it's to keep him from masturbating but he's like five when he's wearing it. And it also doesn't restrict his arms at all. I don't know. It's just like a chest harness with a buckle in the back. Or not a buckle, a clip. Like yeah, a maybe. body Yeah, maybe. I don't leash. know. I don't know. It's it's a very, um, it made me feel like, oh, he would definitely die in a fire. Yeah. It made me feel like, um, oh, this is the, like, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's completely, um, undiscussed. At one point he comes when, um, Joan Crawford trashes Christina's bathroom, he, uh, offers to help, to help her clean it up. And she's like, no, no, like she'll know if she'll know if someone helps me and that's not what she wants. Like, so go strap yourself back in. And that's the only time it's mentioned, but like we see him go to bed or get out of bed like several times. Yeah. And he always has this like strap. He's always getting strapped in or unstrapped. Yeah. And they just like, don't ever talk about why or like what, like, and I, I don't know if it's like supposed to add to the like spookiness of the household or if that was just like common practice. Yeah. I don't know. But, but it's I'm weird like, to... why him and not her? That's why I think it's a dick thing. You know, it's never explained, so 
it is equally possible that it is either of our ideas. Those naughty little boys, sometimes they play with their naughty little bits. Those filthy little boys with their filthy erotic minds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You must, you must, you must strap their hands down so they don't. I'm doing their peepees. A a really like silly word for masturbate. I just heard of. But it, it doesn't really apply. But um, Coleman the big cat. <laughs> Someone just said to me, <laughs> she was actually like detangling a cat's fur, and her cats are two different sizes. So, <laughs> when asked what she was doing, she was like, "I'm combing the big cat," and the <laughs> the person she said it to was like, "Okay, I'll call back." <laughs> It's incredible. So, yeah, I was trying to think of a a similarly silly <laughs> phrase yeah. for little, bo- little boys and their peepees. Yeah. I don't know. Grooming the dachshund? Yeah. <laughs> Dachshunding the little noodle. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um. That's don't. Anyway, they don't want them to do that, I think. Yeah. So they have like a system of straps so he can't reach. Yeah. Unless it's an anti-sleepwalking thing. Yeah, I guess you don't want to let him do that. But then also, he's going to die in a fire. Yeah. But then also, as we saw, he can get out of it. <laughs> yeah, he can get himself out of it. Which is why I think like, if he can get himself out of it when he's conscious, it's probably something for right, when he's Right, but asleep. I couldn't tell. It's like, do we know? Do, are we supposed to think that Joan Crawford knows he can get himself out of it? Like, is it a thing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. kids can escape from things. Right. No, that's a good no, point. Or like that octopus that would sure. go eat fish from the fish tank and then get back in its tank so people wouldn't know that it was it eating the fishes. Yeah. Babies are like that. That's true. They really are, though. Yeah, no, I know. They yeah. learn, They learn like, oh, if I reveal the way that I escaped, then I won't be able to escape that way anymore. So Right, 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 right. Okay, anything else you want to say about Mommy Dearest? <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think we've said quite enough. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Where can people find you on TikTok? At Trash and Allison. You can find me on TikTok at Anxious Archfay, and you could find the show on t- X, formerly Twitter. <laughs> X. X of- oh my God. I saw a thing. I saw Trixie and Katya talking about what a bad decision. I mean, we've, we've made fun of Twitter before because it just always seems like it's about to die. Mm-hmm. But they were like, do you understand that like becoming a verb is the ultimate goal of any brand like mm-hmm. to tweet like they had a verb from the jump yeah and that is like like xeroxing yeah. you know what i mean like that that is like that is like how you know that you are the winner mm-hmm. of branding is yeah. when you have a verb yeah and they had that and then just the stroke of a pen what's his bucket which guy Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. I cannot keep him and Jeff Bezos straight in my mind. I don't know which one is which ever. The bald anyway, one is Jeff Bezos. That's not going to help me at all. Okay. Um, with the stroke of a pen, Elon Musk was like, never mind all of that, the decades that went into building this empire. No. Yeah. Now we are X. It's not a verb. And it's and it, and it has terrible SEO. Oh, yeah. Like what? Like how is anybody like X? I X'd? I Z'd? I, I excreted? Uh, yeah. I posted to my ex. What? Yeah. yeah. Why did he do that? Uh, according, anyway. according to Ronan Farrow, it's because he is obsessed with the letter X. 
and wants to put it in everything. Sure, yeah. But that's a story for another day. Anyway, you can find us on <laughs> X, formerly on Twitter, X. <laughs> uh, Sophisticate Pod. That about does it here this week at I'm a Sophisticate, and so can you. Until next time, good night and good luck. Rup.